Welcome and happy Friday. We are recording this on Tuesday, February the 14th, 2017, and these being days when news gets made quickly, uh, we just want to caveat that, but that also means it's Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day, belatedly. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler, and I'm here in the Condé Nast podcast studio with Laura Redman, who's our deputy digital director, Paul Brady, who's a senior editor for us. Mark Elwood is with us via Skype. He's a contributing editor and a podcast producer. And today we are going to talk about the subject of the travel specialist, when to use one, what to use them for, and all things specialized travel. First question, what is a travel specialist? Can I ask a bold question? Is it the same thing as a travel agent or is that the worst faux pas you can make? I think I think about the episode of 30 Rock where Liz Lemon goes under a bridge and finds all the jobs that don't happen anymore, which is like guy who works in a record store, travel agent. And I think <laughs> the reason they had to rename travel agent is because people assume that places like Speeder and Orbitz rendered travel agents as we knew them redundant. So people in the business needed to reframe themselves and say, actually, travel agents used to be people who just booked flights. You, you needed help doing that. We are now travel specialists because you can book your flights. And in fact, we often won't do it for you because there's no margins in it. But if you need expertise, you essentially need a Condé Nast traveler who will do everything for you with those people. So the job itself has changed in between those two things that you're describing, right? Do travel agents not exist anymore? No, they definitely do. My mother-in-law is one, unless she's been lying to me for 10 years. But no, they Is she have... under a bridge? No. Oh, my God. She, she's going to fight you. She's tiny but feisty. No, travel agents still have a large role to play. And I actually think they've been working a lot. She tells me they've been working a lot with um, customers in their 20s and 30s still, which is another misnomer that no one who grew up using the internet and social media would bother to get on the phone and work with a travel specialist. But I think that's completely unrealistic as well. We have a ton of specialists. Do people use the phone anymore? Do people actually I try pick, not to pick up the phone, but I don't know. I think that people do. You know, Brad, I think you hit on a good point there, which is the job itself has changed, right? You're no longer sort of a clearinghouse for information about travel or, you know, the best time to get on a flight to LAX. It's more about how can you get me in touch with the best people at the, you know, street food market in Mexico City. I don't know that. It's hard to tell online. There's like a bazillion reviews. Everybody thinks that they know, but I kind of only have this one day to go on a street food tour. So, I really want to get it right, so shouldn't I trust somebody who specializes in it? And I think that's why we call them travel specialists, right? That they have this specialized knowledge that you hopefully trust and that they back up with their um, efforts. The other thing I would always remember about working with a travel specialist is, especially when you're planning a higher-end vacation, a lot of upscale hotels will effectively offer you free bonuses if you book via a travel specialist with whom they have a relationship. So you could get that free breakfast, a free massage, a free upgrade, which costs you no more, but the hotel gives as a thank you to the travel specialist for being loyal to them. So there can be weird ways in which you benefit that don't cost you anything. So I ask this partly out of curiosity, but as far as I know, there's no school that you go to. There's no doctorate that you oh, get. Oh, it's a school of hard knocks, man. So <laughs> how do these people arrive at their? How do these people arrive at their gigs? In in many cases, I don't know. You know, in in my experience, they come. You know, it takes all kinds that people get into this in all sorts of different ways, but. 
when I talk to travel specialists, they all seem to have a true passion for going places. And the irony of them being travel specialists in their own regions is that they're really great travelers and sort of world explorers. And so people, you know, like there's a guy that I know who's an expert in Mexico and he loves going surfing and he's surfed all over the world because he's a crazy, he's crazy for waves and he'll call other travel specialists to set up his trips because they know those areas, you know, better than he does. So there are definitely people who got a start in hotels. There are people who got their start as lawyers. There are people who got their start at other travel companies and set it on their own. It's one of those weird professions that sort of invents itself along the way. I think Paul pointed out something really crucial to know about travel specialists. What they tend to be is people with a passion for a particular area or an activity. So it often has come out of them loving surfing that they end up wanting to share that and make that a business. Or they'll specialize in Africa or they'll know everything about India. So you may end up finding that you don't always work with the same travel specialist for every trip because you're looking for someone who really has granular knowledge of particular places so that they operate in quite niche ways, which is why they can make such a difference. So that's interesting in two ways that I think are worth remembering for listeners. One is that this is a vast universe that, again, you're talking about lots of different people who do specialized things. So you almost need, you almost need, and I guess we'll talk about this more, you almost need an intermediary between you and the travel specialist themselves, which is another way in which it's different from the travel agent. Because if maybe I've got this wrong, maybe I'm thinking too much in the sort of black and white movie period, but you used to have your travel agent and your travel agent would, you know, take care of you every time. So you would go talk to Bob at the travel agency that was wherever, you know, down the street or down the block or whatever, and Bob would take care of you in whatever way. Today, Bob's gone, and there's a whole lot of Bobs and, you know, Sally's and whoever else out there, and you um, you have to go more into the niche in order to connect with those people. Is that a fair statement? I disagree. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> no, I think... Um well, I think it begs that definition between a travel specialist who has that niche area of expertise. You might really know Cuba. You might really know African safaris. And then travel agent, Bob still does exist. And he is still planning trips for regular customers. And they're typically high-end customers who would rather outsource that kind of time to someone that they consider a pro. Um, would we consider ourselves travel agents or travel specialists? I don't yeah, I and the, and, the, and the sort of the old school travel agents, such as as they still exist, will sometimes then call a travel specialist to help them piece right. it together. So because right. it's a game of telephone that turns into either the greatest trip you've ever taken or a kind of weird experience. And I have a story about this, right? That I was going to Chile once, and I had heard that there's this great street art in this city called Valparaiso, which. Um, has become its sort of calling card, among other things. And I thought, I would really like to see that street art, but instead of just seeing the tags and the graffiti, uh, you know, I want to know something about it and the people who put it together. And so uh, through this long chain of different travel companies and specialists and experts and whatever, I got connected to this really cool, in-the-know guy who walked me around for an afternoon and pointed out all the backstory, why this graffiti is meaningful to this neighborhood. It was super interesting, but it took this incredibly long link of travel experts, travel specialists, people on the ground, tour operators, all this sort of like industry lingo to put it together. And in the end, I was sort of impressed that the first person I called, which is this company, Hakata Travel, was able to put it all together for me 
even though it took this really long chain of events to come together in the end. But Hakata was not the one who actually took you on the tour. Correct. Yeah. No, I had a similar experience uh, last year on the Grand Expedition across the Southwest National Parks, etc., where we worked with a company called Off the Beaten Path, who put us in touch with a variety of specialists within different markets and different parks, different things that they could do. But off the beaten path was kind of, it's almost like when you're doing a reno on your kitchen and you have a general contractor and then you've got plumbers and you've got different sort of little contractors that work. The general contractor, the off the beaten path group, pulled everything together, made the contacts with all of the subspecialists and then pulled it all together into a very nice, neat, digestible and followable kind of booklet that was sort of our reference point for it. Yeah. And see that to me, that analogy really shows the importance of these people, right? Because I think we get a lot of questions. You guys probably all get these questions. Should I really use a travel special? Do I need somebody for this? And I think if you're going, you know, to Baltimore for the weekend, no, you probably don't. You can probably figure it out on your own. But yeah, you're going on a long family road trip. You're going on an African safari. You want to go to India for the first time. Like, isn't it kind of nice to have, you know, an air traffic controller of sorts keeping track of all those moving pieces and making sure that people are there when they're supposed to be and, you know, critically having somebody to call when they're not there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge thing that you don't really think about when you're booking a lot of um, planes or trips or tours online. The customer service might be kind of bunk and you might be. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, say with Expedia, how many layers are you going through before you actually get to the source of the problem or someone who could help you. So an agent or well, go ahead, Mon. No, no, I was, what I was going to say is that, um, that, you know, Brad and Paul were talking about what the industry calls ground operators. And ground operators are the magic workers. You know, they're the Olivia Pope of travel, maybe a little less murder. But the <laughs> ground operators are the ones who can fix anything. If you're like, I want to go to Jaipur and I want to have a private tour of the palace that no one can get into. With the right ground operator, you can do that. You can't find that ground operator, but a good travel specialist can because they subcontract to the real Olivia Popes. They're a bit like Fitz or Melly and, and the Olivia Popes work for them. I am loving the pop culture references. I'm not getting all of them because I'm like two seasons behind, but... All the same. No, um, I think one of the ways into this, at least for me experientially, was to talk about some of the things that these folks can actually do. And you just talked about a very kind of like high-end version of that. But for people who have never used them, for people who have never gone this route, let's talk about some of the things that you can get and some of the things that they'll do for you that are really irreplaceable in some kind of way. Well, can we start with when have you guys used a travel specialist? I mean, we all travel for a living, so we're kind of in a different bracket, but there's a range, right? There's the first timer trip. There's also the, I travel all the time trip and I want a special experience. Um, I used one for Cuba. I think Cuba is still a complicated beast to try to navigate on your own, even though, you know, first you have to know that there are, as an American traveler, there are are 12 categories that you can visit the country under. Now you can book your own flights through JetBlue. It's all kind of a la carte. You could conceivably just plan your own trip, but you know, it's not easy. So I went with Insight Cuba and they have these organized people to people tours, which before, you know, you know, maybe three or four months ago before October, it was in October October that that there was a change. Yeah. A people-to-people tour was one of the 12 categories. So they kind of created a a universe around this 
idea specifically to get people to Cuba. And it means that you will have an organized kind of like nine to five itinerary, which might scare a lot of people. Normally it scares me. I'm not much of like a tour group kind of person, you know, following someone with a flag or anything like that. But it wasn't like that, thankfully. It was very much, we like to think of them as like, People who were pioneers who wanted to get to Cuba before McDonald's got to Cuba. That was the refrain we heard over and over again. And the trip would be hypercultural. You can go on different trips. You can take a baseball tour of Cuba. Ours was, you know, go and meet a jazz band at a club. We had the club to ourselves. We had a private set. And afterwards, we hang out with the band and talk to them about, you know, like, how they got into the music, like where they were playing next. We followed them and went to see their next show the next night. You know, so it's a very personal experience. And we did that over and over again with um, with a choir, with artists in a local little like local uh, hipster community. So, you know, I wouldn't have <laughs> I wouldn't have found that on my own. I wouldn't have found that just walking around and made those kind of connections. I'm I'm pretty outgoing, but I still wouldn't like hang around afterwards and talk to the band. My husband would probably get pissed off, you know? <laughs> and how much did that cost you? But you see, Laura, that's my question. So how much more how much more did that cost you? You know, it it's probably about double, to be honest. It's more. And um, you're paying for someone to plan a lot of activities and introduce you to a lot of people and meals are included too and housing's included and visas and all the hassle that you ha- you have to take care of yourself before you go pretty much everything except for my flight down to Miami was included but I do know I just got an email from them today saying that prices are dropping initially prices had to go up because demand had skyrocketed and the supply of like hotels restaurants offerings in Cuba is limited so you know they were just keeping up with prices going up that's not happening as much right now. So, you know, if you go to this, uh, this isn't a commercial, but prices are dropping. It's getting, you know, it's maybe 2K, 2500 per person for a five-day f- inclusive trip in Cuba, in Havana. What's interesting about that, using the Cuba example, is that a year ago when you went, and I'm going a year, I'm going in next week, and some aspects of it have changed. So Airbnb is much more pervasive there now. You can find lots of places to stay. It's much easier. Airbnb does have experiences there, although I don't think they have a ton of them, but they do have some. So you can get connected with some of that stuff, but then a lot of it you still can't. And I think that even though some of the logistics of traveling to Cuba have gotten a lot more parsable by a regular traveler. Um, So we did not need them to book lodging, for example. We didn't need them to figure out uh, some of the really basic stuff. But we won't get any of the, unless we connect ourselves somehow, we won't get any of the insider stuff that you guys got. We won't get to go to the jazz concert. We won't get to you know go to the ballet. We won't get to do some of those things. And in a way, those things are priceless, right? Like right. this is this is one of the um, important points to think about is that when you're paying for this, it seems like money. It seems like a lot of money sometimes, but you're buying access to things that literally are not available to you right. any other way. It's a little bit of a behind the rope kind of experience. And, you know, I'm not going to do that on every trip, but on a trip where I feel out of my depth, I am willing to spend a little more. Yeah, there's a specialist in Italy that I talk to a lot, uh, Andrea Grisdale. She's at the company called IC Bellagio, and she calls these things ungoogleable experiences. Yeah, and it's totally. really hard to say on a podcast, <laughs> but uh, it's even harder to Google. So she is all about these sort of getting you 
like you said, Laura, behind the rope or inside the palace or with the fashion designer. And I think, you know, when we talk about travel specialists, our, our default mode is right. Cuba, India, African safari, like crazy adventures. But even a place like Italy that I think a lot of our listeners have been to probably more than once. There are things that you want to go see, right? You want to go see how they mill the wool to make those cashmere sweaters. Like you want to get inside and meet those people. And a lot of those opportunities are only open to friends or business clients or, you know, people that are kind of approved by these travel specialists. And she's able to open those doors to people and you wouldn't be able to do that any other way. And so, yes, same thing. Is it expensive? Sure. But if that's your passion point, if meeting that winemaker who does that cult sort of wine that you're obsessed with and that doesn't do public tastings is the only thing that you care about doing in Piedmont, like, why wouldn't you pay a little more for that? Another point Laura made that I think is really important to emphasize is we're not talking in this context about people with umbrellas walking around, you know, the piazza, right? Like, that's not what this these people do. This is a whole different level of professionalism. This is a whole different level of exploration. There's this common perception when you say, you know, a, a guide or a tour guide or whatever, that, that people think of these giant groups of kind of like clumsy you know, Bermuda short wearing, you know, sneaker wearing. I mean, the, you know, Italians laugh at them all the time because they're per- they were at least at some point pervasive in Florence and Venice and whatever. And it's embarrassing and none of us would ever travel like that, right? But but nonetheless, Mark, you've actually done that job? I yes, Is that I what was you're, the like, tour guide. I was the tour guide taking those big groups of people around Florence. And now you're the specialist. Or you could be in many places. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but what I was, can I, can I, can I sort of, I, I hate to say it, but you guys are, are, are selling this in such a wonderfully romantic kind of intellectual way. Uh-oh. Do you know why Uh-oh. I, I, apparently you know that's I, wrong of us. Don't <laughs> stop bad. Stop doing no, that. No, what's the other side? What's the yeah, other side? Yeah. Do you know do why it. I want to use a specialist? Because they charge by the hour. They, they like lawyers. So you do the math and you think 250 an hour. Let me work out what I'm prepared to spend on fees. And then let me work out all the free stuff they wangle for me. So I booked a trip on vacation to Argentina in April, and I used a travel agent, a travel specialist friend, who is a virtuoso accredited specialist, Mm -hmm. so is part of a particular network, to book a hotel that I could have booked online. And I, I paid exactly the same price as I did online, but my breakfasts are included every day. I get a free dinner when I arrive. I get a space available upgrade. I get the transfer covered. And it costs me two fifty in fees to the travel specialist, but it's worth way more than that. So yes, they can be fixers, but also they it's like it's like they're almost getting you super size they're supersizing your experience for a little bit of a fee. So I want to use travel specialists for all the ways they can hook me up. They're basically like that friend we all wanted at college who would get us into the nightclub free and get us a bottle of wine as long as we slip them a 20 to help us out. (laughs) You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I I was talking to one of these travel specialists and I wish I could remember who it was because it was such a great line. He said, you know, you can't VIP yourself, but the (laughs) travel specialist can call the hotel and tell them what a VIP you are. And that's how, like, that is really valuable. I'll lobby for this from two different perspectives because I think there's two different ways that these folks can help you. 
So one is connecting you with those like really unavailable, ungoogleable. I love this phrase. We're going to use it from now on. Ungoogleable experiences. I can't say it, but <laughs> it's we're impossible. Use it. Don't yes. use it too un-Googleable. much. This will go on forever. Um, and 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 I'll give two examples of that. One is literally went to the Grand Canyon, which everybody and their brother has been to. I was there with my brother, so I know that. And we had a guide for our tour there. And that meant that we got access to a trail that literally was not open to anybody except professional campers and guides. And so not only did he give us access, but then he took us on the trip itself. He took us on the hike. And he did a combination of like backwoods childcare in which he was fully (laughs) equipped. Like I won't get into the details, but we had a a sort of emergency, you know, kind of a child-based emergency on the trip and he handled it like a complete pro, but he was also, he knew botany, he knew forestry. The guy had a degree in forestry sciences. So he was giving us all kinds of science about what we were seeing that would be totally unavailable to us without him there. And then a similar thing in the um, in Canyonlands, we had these guys who took us backwards in four by fours and they were pro drivers. They were pro, you know, sort of uh, uh, botanists about the park itself or whatever you are to be a specialist in the park itself. So we got a whole level of knowledge there. But then you go up from that and you talk about these people who are like the general contractors and they do all kinds of logistical things for you that are like Guy Friday kind of things. Like we got all of the stuff booked for us by these people. We got not only that, but we got a book that we took with us that they had put together that did things like, you think this is micro, but they told us how much to tip everybody that we worked with along the way. And I don't know what kind of person you guys are. I'm a person who has extreme anxiety about tipping. I just like extreme, like flop sweat anxiety about getting it wrong. (laughs) And the fact that we had like a booklet that said, here's how much you need to tip these guys. You know, if you're happy, you give them this much. If you're not happy, you give them this much. I can't tell you how much sleep I recovered as a, as a result of that. It paid for itself. Just that little detail paid for itself. How do you know if a travel specialist is someone who's going to get you on a trip that doesn't feel like an umbrella waving tour? You know, what are, how do we parse all the different options out there? I would suggest checking our list <laughs> of travel specialists. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm making fun here a little bit, but we do publish every year in the magazine, we publish a list of travel specialists. I think there were 149 people on our most recent edition of this list and everything from, you know, African safaris to fly fishing to whitewater rafting to, um, even just the Caribbean, Greece, right? the Caribbean, villa rentals, you name it. You know, we, we've tracked down these people. And, and the way we put this together, the short version is we've been keeping track of these people at Condé Nast Traveler for more than a decade. And we know a ton about their operations and about their clients. And we talk to their clients and we say, what happened? What did you get on your trip that you didn't expect? And some of the stories that these people tell are remarkable. The private jet that got them out when the airport was closed, you know, the sort of unbelievable experience they were able to present to their, you know, kid who's having a birthday, you know, it goes on and on and on. But essentially we keep up with these people at all times and ask them for their client references and make sure that they're really delivering these above and beyond experiences. And then we list them in the magazine and talk about all of the great stuff they're doing. And, you know, Paul, you made a great point about references. Think of a travel specialist as like a contractor you're going to let work on your off time, your downtime. Get some references and say to someone who you've read about, maybe you read about them in travel or maybe you read about them online somewhere, say to them, I'm interested in working with you, but I want to talk to two or three clients you've worked with in the last six months 
about working with you. And if they won't connect you with those people, it's a red flag. And if they will connect you with those people, ask them about working with them. This is not about not believing them, but it's about it's real first-hand testimony. And a really good travel specialist will connect you with clients and say, sure, I have a couple of people who are probably a bit like you. They remind me of you. The brief is kind of the same. Remember also, if you go into this adversarially and are very hostile and very like, prove to me you're worth my money, that's not going to get the best out of people. So it is about going, I've heard you're great. I love what you're doing. I'm looking to go to Mexico. Here's what I'm looking to do. Do you have a couple of people you've helped that way who I could talk to? And that creates a very good beginning dialogue. And if you choose not to work with them after that, there is no fault, no foul. You can say, you know, we're actually thinking of going in another direction. That's all good. Yeah, you know, Mark, that reminds me of something that we were talking about just at the top of the show, which is the idea of a phone call. Like, who calls these people? And I think the most throwback things about travel specialists, beyond the fact that travel agents still exist, is that they love talking on the phone, right? And it seems old-fashioned, and it might seem like weird, but the idea is that, yeah, they want to get to know you, and they want to know what your interests are, and they want to know what kinds of restaurants you like going out at at home, so they know where to send you when you're away. They want to know what hotels you have loyalty points at. They want to know if you like an aisle seat or a window seat, and they, because they do this all the time, then they can read into those details and really figure out what to set you up with. You know, they're talkers, right? And so get on the phone with them and don't be afraid to pick up the phone for the first time in a month and talk to somebody on the phone about what kind of trip they can put together. And last, I would say, have a realistic sense of your budget, right? You know, telling them how much you want to spend or can spend also, I think, set some really great parameters right at the top. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to give people permission to say, look, here's my budget. This is what I can spend. This is what I'm will- willing to spend. Because, again, I'll speak f- only for myself, but I have extreme anxiety about that discussion. That part That's my waspy <laughs> background. I have extreme anxiety You're about that. You're just full of anxiety today. I'm full of anxiety. Yeah, it's just, like a, just replete with anxiety. Um It's making me nervous just to talk about it. But I do think not only are they responsive to that, but they welcome it because they want to know what are the parameters within which they have to work, right? Absolutely. You know, I mean, yeah, you could stay at the Four Seasons. It'd be great. But (laughs) if, you you know, if that's not in your budget on this trip because you want to spend your money on restaurants or you want to spend it on, you know, a professional sort of you know, art historian to take you to that museum that you've been dying to go to for years. You know, they want to know where to allocate your resources to give you the best possible trip. When you talk about allocating resources, traditionally, a travel agent would have booked your flights. The reason they would do that is because it was hard for us to book flights and there were big commissions in booking flights. Both of those things are no longer true. So when you work with a travel specialist, sure, you can ask their advice about the best flight to take, but I would encourage you to expect them to be not interested in focusing on your flights because they're they're not going to make any money out of it. They'll probably help you a little bit. But think of the budget you're giving them as about everything but flights because the flying part is a little bit on your own recognizance now. They will give you some guidance, but think of your vacation budget minus what you what you spend on your flights or use miles on your flights. What were you going to say, Laura? Well, I was just wondering, I mean, this is all fantastic kind of practical advice. Um, is there a trip you are going to take in the next year or you have been thinking about taking where you would call a specialist? That's what I've been doing this whole time, thinking like, okay, when would I actually like 
pick up the phone. And I, I think I would do it for a more far-flung trip or, you know, something that involved hiking and eating out at restaurants I really want to try, you know, like a multi-tier trip. So maybe if I went to Patagonia, I think I would probably call a specialist or the Galapagos. Yeah, I would say Cuba for sure. Uh, Cairo to see the pyramids, I would call somebody, mostly so I could get a cool car to drive around in. <laughs> uh, in you want to drive in Cairo? No, no, not that I would drive. That I, is it, brave. It would be super cool because I'd be in the back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Morocco, like Morocco, I think is is an ideal place for a specialist. And you know, there's a there's a great company called um, Heritage Tours that does great work there. You know, they set up their own camps in the desert. They can take you to sort of galleries that don't have signs, that they're behind closed doors, secret gardens, sort of the riads that you want to be staying at. A place like that where I think the secrets are sort of harder to uncover, those are the places that you want to call somebody. I think it's also worth noting that in those kinds of places, first of all, you're probably not talking about the level of expense that you're talking about in Italy, for example, where just everything's kind of more expensive. So when you talk about traveling in Egypt or when you talk about traveling in Vietnam or Thailand or Cambodia, where you might connect with these kind of people and you are going to incur an expense, but the expense isn't going to be what you think it's going to be in New York City, right? It's not going to it's not going to hit you that hard. <laughs> well, okay, I'm, I'm sure you can, but the point is that there's probably a range that's available, like, you know, and because staying at a five-star hotel in some of these parts of the world is much cheaper than staying at a five-star hotel in the United States in a big city, right? So yeah, for sure. For your sure. scale is just kind of different. So don't be intimidated by that. And also don't be intimidated by asking them to plan a bit of your trip. This isn't about deeding the whole of your, say you're planning a two week, I would use a trip, to answer your question, Laura, I'd use a travel specialist for a trip that was really important. Something where I was taking two weeks away, or I'd, I really wanted to splurge on, or I was going somewhere I'd always dreamed of going. One of those trips that you're like, I just got to get this right. But remember, you don't have to ask them to do everything. You can say, could you book my hotels? Okay, they'll book you upgrades in your hotels for a little fee. You can say to them, I want you to plan my weekend in Morocco, but after that, I'm fine because I'm going to Paris. You don't have to, you can, you can choose which bit to, to allocate to them. And that makes it much more accessible. It isn't this incredible, and you're not surrendering control. To me, it's all about control. And I hate the idea that someone else is in charge. You're full of anxiety, Brad. I'm just full of control. But I'm happy to surrender for a couple of days and say, sure, impress me. That's amazing. I mean, I think that's an important thing to remember in all of this, too, is that it's your trip. Right. So don't be afraid to own the parts of the trip that you want to own. Don't be afraid to ask for the things. Again, back to the budget discussion, ask for the things that you want to ask for because they work for you at the end of the day. And they're really good if they're good ones. You know, and your question earlier, Laura, is like, how do you know the good ones from the bad ones? If they're not asking you a lot of these questions, they're probably not that great because that dialogue is how they get to know you and how they make the trip for you, the kind of trip that you are looking for. And that's what separates them. And to avoid, you know, for all the control freaks out there, because we have a room full of them right now, I think it's okay to go to a specialist and say, this is kind of the trip I had planned in my head. And give them details, like make it a conversation. Say It doesn't have to be a one-way thing. You don't have to cede all control to this expert. I mean, you are an expert on your life. So, you know, say, I really want to eat out. Like, that's what I want to focus on on this trip. And these are the restaurants I heard were good. Have you heard the same thing? You know, is it hard to get a reservation on a Monday night? Are they even open? That kind of stuff. They know the technical, the nitty gritty. 
Yeah, I think also the answer to your question that I would give is the same as everybody else, which is that if there's a place that's really unparsable for me or where I can't through normal means kind of get some decent intel on and feel like I'm getting good information on where to eat and what to do. So, you know, I'll take a trip probably next year to Africa, South Africa to do a safari. We have actually lots and lots of intel on the site and amongst our own staff and in the magazine on South Africa. But by the same token, that's one where I'm going to reach out to somebody because there are nuances to that trip. There are things that I'm going to want to customize and then I'm going to want somebody who really knows kind of what's going on and who I can have that dialogue about my family and my son and what are we looking for and what are our interests in that kind of pl- it's it's totally, you know, uh, up to the traveler to figure that out, I think. But those are the kind of trips where I need that extra level of parsing of things that I'm going to be looking for it. I'm curious because we are in the digital age and we all work in the digital sphere. So our website, obviously a resource for people, but more and more, I feel like we're seeing digital assistants that do some form of this one kind or another. One company that you and I have talked about in the past, Paul, is Mezzi. Lola is a popular app that's come out that actually connects you with human agents of one kind or another. Skylark, another service that does the same thing. You are seeing even in the digital age, people accepting the fact or acknowledging the fact, startups acknowledging that humans are the ultimate backstop to this, right? And so the end of the line, the sort of the lifeline, the emergency line for a lot of these new apps that are getting attention and traction is a human on the other end of the phone, which is really interesting to me. But I wonder if you guys have had any experience with these or if you've, you know, sort of have any thoughts on where that's going. I have to say, I hate to be a party pooper, but to me, a lot of those apps are a bit like the remote therapists. You know, when you can text your therapist (laughs) and they text you back and say, don't worry, everything's okay. And you know they're texting absolutely everyone else. Don't worry, everything's okay. If I want a therapist, I want to know the therapist is focused on me. I want to pay a bit more and get more quality. While I think it's a great idea to try and democratize and digitize travel assistance i haven't seen it in a way that to me is worth the saving if you want to if you want a travel specialist pay for a travel specialist because i just don't believe that the assistance you're getting isn't kind of canned now call me a cynic i'm sure paul you will tell me i'm being very unfair but i would rather go old school maybe i'm just showing the fact i love the phone i love no i i i agree with you 100 percent. i find that these digital apps and I, and I'm with you Mark I think it's great that they're putting you know messaging as a way to get in touch and they're making it more intimate and more seamless that's all very good but I do think that this is a throwback to that old fashioned idea of oh I need a hotel in Chicago oh I need a flight to London oh I want to take a trip to India and I mean I just don't know that you're getting the quality of information from the bot on the other end of the messaging line that you're getting from somebody who's been running to trips to India for 30 years. I, you know, that doesn't like square for me. So could these existing travel specialists jump onto this technology and make it easier to communicate with them? That would be very cool. But, uh, I haven't seen anything yet on these, you know, messaging apps, digital services, that's really providing the depth of knowledge or, or letting us know that they're providing the depth of knowledge that could match something that these true experts have. You know what could be interesting? We had um, 
one reporter go out and try booking.com's experiences and he did a little like first person piece about what he actually got to try and he wasn't that thrilled either but he did get to skip a lot of lines in Paris he did get which is worth like 400 bucks right, right. exactly <laughs> <laughs> so and he got to just book uh, discounted tours you know 10% off a guided tour in Montmartre and he got to breeze through the Moulin Rouge and he didn't have to wait in line at the Louvre and maybe Maybe this is God, a little wait, bit of a film. Don't have to wait in line at the Louvre. Like, you have me. Oh, That's it. Also, I'm there. I'm there. Go at night, and you don't have to wait in line. I have never waited in line at the Louvre. Fun fact. Fine. I know. There anyway. used, used to be a little secret entrance you could go into right by the Seine that no one was ever at, and they just closed it, and now you have to go in through the middle. But I always used to go in the little side door. <laughs> and that app will tell you where to find the side door, right? I mean, to tie it back. Like that, it does have some intel. And I think maybe that intel is useful in a city that is very well toured and trafficked to like London or Paris or New York. And maybe you get a, you know, a, a fast pass here and there and you pay, you know, you use that and I you don't have to pay a lot for that. You know, I think that's a really good point. I think those apps can be great sort of useful shortcuts in very well traffic. I'm curious if any listeners have used them and if they've had different experiences from us, if they would would say we're wrong that actually they have had very high quality feedback because I would be so cynical about it and there's a real I'm I'm very very resistant to trusting it. So if any listeners have had good experiences I'd love to know. Especially places like London and Paris because I think that's smart. Well, it's interesting. I remember talking to the founder of Lola, which is one of these apps that uses artificial intelligence to help their human agents figure out what to recommend. You know, and I said, well, what hotel would you recommend in Chicago? And he pulls up the app and he shows me how it works and it's super quick and it's really easy. But like newsflash is not that hard to find a hotel in Chicago. So I said, <laughs> can you book me like a week long hiking trek through Indonesia? And sort of like, well, we could probably figure that out. You know, like we mm -hmm. could get there. And right, those are two wildly different types of trips. And yeah. like we, I think, all are interested in doing both of those kinds of travels, right? And and you want different things at different times. So the more the merrier, right? I think we're in favor of competition. But right, am I getting the same level of service from that AI-powered bot that I am from somebody who's been going to Indonesia for years and years and knows the GMs at the hotels and the best guides and the best hiking routes and the best time of year to go? I'm not yet convinced that I am. Well, and I, I think this is an interesting space to watch because Airbnb's entry into it, which is a true democratization of this in all of the conventional digital ways, which is a weird thing to say, but it's kind of true, like, I think is going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Because on the one hand, they've created a platform by which you can connect with people who are doing customized experiences of various types. On the other hand, the quality filter is still a question mark, right? So all these things that we've been talking about. As it is with their... Uh as uh, with, their, and, and, with their rentals generally, right? And so, and so again, it's like, and, and the other thing that comes into play with this is that there isn't really a great solution for, except Condé Nast Traveler. <laughs> but, but no, 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 but seriously, no, but seriously, it's like, what is the level of standards, right? Because, because you can get people who are reviewing, well, they, they, they took me out and they bought me three beers. That was great. I had a great time. That isn't necessarily what we're talking about. You know, when, when you talk about the person who took you to, the ballet or in Havana or took you to the jazz club in Havana. 
that's very different. And it's not about did you have fun? Did you have a good time? It's about the depth of the experience. It's about how deep into the culture, which I guess another word for depth. Thank you. You know, how, how deep into the culture are you going? How exclusive is the thing? And again, I'm not prizing exclusivity for its own sake. It's just that the good stuff tends to lie on the other side of experience and and connectedness and knowledge and all those things that we sort of throw out the window in the digital age once in a while, you know, in, in favor of speed and democracy, right? Which are good things in and of themselves. So yeah. that's a relief. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's worth noting these days. No, <laughs> democracy. Good. We like yeah, it. But, but I think it's, but I do think, I think that it's worth, I, I'm a big one on, on references. Remember, you just want to check these people out because, yes, sure, lots of people will be like, I can hook you up in Havana. You know, I can, right. I can send myself up tomorrow and say, I can hook you up in Havana. I know everybody. Well, how, prove it. Right. And you just the talk and, and get some firsthand testimonials. And it's so old school, but boy, it will resonate. Okay. Well, so travel specialists, use them and come to cntraveler.com slash travel dash specialist to find the ones that we, that Paul Brady, as a matter of fact, whom we all love and trust, has uh, personally vetted and spoken to. And they bug him constantly, right? I would say that they reach out with news tips constantly. That's, That's how great. I put it. Many, many stories that we do actually originate with these folks. So they are a great source of information of all types. Thanks to all of you guys for coming and talking about this. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. Visit us at cntraveler.com. We are also at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube and CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. And please do tweet at us. Uh, that activity has been picking up and it's been a lot of fun. Send feedback, review us on iTunes, all those good things. Mark, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Mark J. Elwood with a K and two L's. Laura? I'm Danon825 on Twitter and Laura underscore Redman on Instagram. Paul Brady? P underscore Brady on the Twitter. You are a, a witty Twitter presence. People would do well to follow you, my friend. Thank you very much. And I'm at Brad Rick, and that's it. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>